0: 1 Timothy chapter 1. And uh, we'll continue on uh, going through this. Normally what we do uh, as we go through a book uh, verse by verse or word by word, however it ends up being, um, as we go through them, normally what we'll do is at the end of each chapter we'll do some um, not really light, but kind of light, refreshing um, topical type things to kind of give us a break and then we'll get back into them. Uh, That's what we did when we went through the book of Romans. That's what we did when we went through Titus. And so at the end of each chapter, we'll kind of pause out of the book. That way it doesn't become so much. I mean, Wednesday nights, that's not what we're doing. We have a couple times, but Wednesday nights we're just trucking through Matthew. There's some times that we did. So last year at Thanksgiving we did some Thanksgiving messages to kind of take a break, but but normally, what we'll do is we'll get there. So there's 20 verses in here, and we've gotten through verse two. So it should be sometime within the next, before the rapture, at least. I would, I would hope. Maybe, maybe during the rapture. Huh. The rapture comes before we get through it. Praise the Lord. We'll we'll have it all figured out by then. So, First um, Timothy chapter one. We'll start off in verse one. We'll read down through verse five, and uh, then we'll we'll get into it as we go through here. So First Timothy chapter one, verse one. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, unto Timothy my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of a faith unfeigned. Father, we thank you for your word. As we go through these verses, may we remind ourselves of where we are um, and understand who we are in, in Jesus Christ. And may we allow your word to be the final authority in all things. That it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now. <clears throat> As we've come down through here, we've dealt with who Paul is, what it means that he's the Apostle of Jesus Christ uh, by the commandment of God. And we talked about those things in verse 1. We talked about what does it mean that God is our Savior. We talked about what does it mean that we have Lord Jesus Christ as our hope. Uh, We've talked about how that relationship, the son-father-son relationship that Paul had with Timothy. Uh, Then we spent some time dealing with... Uh, the issues of grace and mercy and peace and getting a better understanding of those things, where is it that those things come from? Is from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And We talked about some of those things, so we've gotten up through verse 2. And here we come into verse 3, and there's some things that we're not going to spend a lot of time on in the first part, but the second part's really going to be the crux of the whole situation. All right? Notice in verse 3, he says, "...as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus..." When I went into Macedonia, thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. One of the things that we talked about there is um, when you go back into the book of Acts, and we talked about this a few weeks ago. When you go back into the book of Acts and try to figure out what was Paul doing and what was Paul writing during the book of Acts, right? So years ago, we went through and we said, okay, here's where um, Paul wrote this book or here's where Paul wrote this book based on in- internal evidence. Um, I didn't really care much about the dates, dates or whatever they're going to be based on whoever you want to talk to, but the internal evidence will give us some idea of where things are at what particular time. And it's interesting, one of the things that we talked about is if you go over to, real quick, go over to go over to Acts chapter <coughs> um, 14, we're not going to go to 14, but in go to Acts chapter 20, <coughs> there's some things that we should notice Acts chapter 14, Paul goes into the region where Timothy is grown up, and I'm convinced based on Scripture that that's when Paul presented the gospel to Timothy. Because in my, in Acts chapter 16, Timothy says, "I want to go and work with you," and that's exactly what he does. In Acts chapter 14, Timothy hears the gospel from Paul. Acts 16, he gets into the work with Paul. Right? You're not going to go and save a person in Acts 16 and say, "Okay, you're saved now. You're ready for the work." That only happened with Paul, and that was because there was certain information that was de- delivered directly to him from the risen, ascended Jesus Christ. So that's a different issue than him dealing with Timothy. So when you think about those things, that in my mind, that's some of those things that we want to make sure that we keep in, in mind. And notice here in Romans chapter or Acts chapter 20, <clears throat> verse 1, what is it that first Timothy just told us? Paul says, I want you to abide still here at Ephesus. When I went into Macedonia. Well, notice right here in, in Acts chapter 20, verse 1. And after the uproar was ceased. By the way, you, you think, you know, we, we look at the times where we talk to people about Scriptures and we've not had to deal with things such as an uproar. Like Paul dealt with some of those things. But here's the issue. After the uproar receipt was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them and departed for to go into where? Macedonia. Macedonia. So what I'm saying, what I'm suggesting is, is in Acts chapter 20 is where Paul's talking to Timothy. He says, I want, you to, I want you to go to Ephesus and I'm going to go into Macedonia. And what's interesting here is a little bit later on in Acts chapter 20 is where he's talking to about how some of these things are, come, are going to come about. Go down to um, Acts chapter 20, verse, um, verse 28. <clears throat> verse 28. Notice Acts chapter 20, verse 28. He says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he, per- which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Paul's saying what? I'm getting ready to go to Macedonia, but I want to remind you that as soon as I leave, it's going to go bad. And what's going to happen is, is there are going to be grievous wolves that are going to enter in among you, not sparing the flock. They don't care what they do to the ministry that you have here. They're going to walk in from the outside of the door, and you know it's interesting. You go back and you study uh, some issues of how Satan has worked through people. Um, you go back and you, you do with 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 some folks that show up and they look like they've traveled a long distance, right? They got dust on their feet and their their food's moldy and all this stuff, and they're from the next city over or something like that. But they show up and they say, "Make a league with us. You know, we know we need help and things like that." And that's how they kind of are. So what they're doing is they're going to come in and they're going to be like, we want to be a part of what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. But their whole goal is to do what? They're going to come in, not sparing the flock. But what's worse is in verse 30, he says, also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to do what? Draw the their, their whole goal is to draw people from you so that they can go over here and do some stuff, and he 's saying there 's going to be people to walk in off the street to do that, and he 'll say, people in your own group that you 've brought up that 's been this in this church is, is from the time that I started they 've been in this church, and he says they 'll do it too you know that 's kind of a scary thought when you think about what was going on back at that time, but it still happens today like <clears throat> We've we've had we've dealt with people throughout the years. And and you know, there's there's this saying, and I've said it before, and then I've come to realization that you can. One of the things I've often thought about and said is as soon as you get this message, you're not gonna want to leave it. But people do all the time. And it goes back to you were talking about pride earlier, a lot of it goes back to that because I wanna be the guy that does this thing. So I'm gonna create this new doctrine, by the way, that's not new, but I'm gonna make you think it's new. And then they go by that. But that's what that's what these guys are doing. Notice, <clears throat> verse 31, he's reminding them, therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that, uh, all them which are sanctified. The interesting thing there to me about that is, notice, what, what is Paul's response to those guys that come in and the ones that are there? What's his response? I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. you know what you do? You keep preaching the book. No matter what, you preach the book. Don't worry about, well, so-and-so says, we're going to talk about what so-and-so says for three and a half weeks or whatever. Nobody here needs to know what so-and-so says. (laughs) Everybody here needs to know what this book says. And you stick with what the book says. And that's that's the response that you have to have. And I want us to remind ourselves, when Paul starts off with Timothy and he says, grace, mercy, and peace unto you, and we talked about what what one of the things that I've seen going through First Timothy is not just grace, mercy, and peace to Timothy, but Timothy, when people show up outside or people in your assembly start teaching perverse things, what do you do? Show them grace and mercy and peace. And we'll see that as we go through, and, and hopefully we will if, if, if I'm doing what, I'm, what I need to do here but that's that's his response is to what I commend you to God to the word of his grace which is able to what build you up do you know what a person needs that doesn't know what they're doing or somebody that thinks they've got something figured out do you know what they need the book to build them up and it's 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 interesting <clears throat> real quick go over to go over to hebrews this is this has been one of the things that I've been thinking about here lately because um, I've been asked a question. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 5 because um, I've been asked the question before and, and I've thought about how do I answer this and then, okay, this, answer, this verse kind of answers it for you. <clears throat> you know, you know when, when Paul talks to the folks in, in Corinth and he says, I wanted to give you meat, but you couldn't bear it, so I had to give you milk because you're babes in Christ. And so then one of the questions I ask is, well, how do I know if I've gone from milk to meat? Well, a lot of times people say, well, um, Romans is milk doctrine and Ephesians is meat doctrine. And I don't think that's it at all based on this verse. Notice Hebrews chapter 5, and this will go along with this, and, and th- this will pick up some other things as well. Notice in, in Hebrews chapter 5, we'll start off in verse 11 of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing, for when the time ye ought to be teachers. So notice he's saying, there is a time when you should be able to teach. Ye have need that one teach you again, which be the what? First principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Alright, so that's this issue, right? Paul, Paul brings it up and what the writer of Hebrews brings up as well is the same issue. Now, verse 13. Here's the answer. For everyone that useth milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is a what? Babe. babe. When Paul talks to the Corinthians about being a babe, It's because of that right there is because they're using milk and they're unskillful in the word of righteousness. Notice, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Here's here's the issue. Even those who by reason of use. So here's what I want you to think about. You read something in Romans... It's milk to you until you learn how to use it. And you use it properly. Yes. That's the issue. 1 Corinthians, you learn stuff. You're always going to be learning stuff in Romans. And Romans chapter 6, you know, we talked about this all the time. 1 through 5, here's justification. 6, 7, and 8, here's your identification. Romans chapter 6, it's great to know that you're identified with Christ's death, ground, and resurrection, but do you use it? When, when we, that's the issue that I want us to be able to think about as we go through here. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Just because you know Romans doesn't mean you're up here. By the way, just because we know Ephesians doesn't mean that we're on meat doctrine, that we're better off than somebody else. It's not until you learn how to use it. And are you using it Daily, and are you using it properly? That's the issue of going from milk to meat. Think about that in the terms of the core of the Corinthians. Did the Corinthians know about the gifts? Yes. Were they using them properly? No. So when he says that they're babes, that they're on milk, and they can't be on meat because they're not using what they know properly. And that's that idea we talked about last time about the spiritual things with spiritual is what we have here, what we know is that what we do, right? And do they match up? And the Holy Spirit's going to help us be able to do that. That's one of those things that I want us to be able to think about. What's going on is you've, Paul's telling them in, in, in Acts chapter 20, and I would say more so he's dealing with, with Timothy but others as well, He's saying there will be people that walks through your door that knows a bunch of stuff. They don't know how to use it, but they're going to convince your people that they know a bunch of stuff and they're going to follow them. There's going to be people in your church, Timothy, that knows a bunch of stuff, don't know how to use it, but because it looks like they know a bunch of stuff, they're going to be like, this guy knows more than the guy that's up here. And so what we need to do is just go follow him. That's exactly what takes place. But again, what's Paul's response? Keep preaching the book. Bring people up. Again, knowledge is the beginning. Now, we, we've talked about this before. And my illustration is I know how a guitar works. You've got chords, you strum. You can pick one, one, one string, you get noise, sounds beautiful until I get it, but I don't understand how to make it sound good. I don't possess that ability. If I took all the knowledge I had and done something with it, I probably could. If I use what I know, I could do something with it. Now, then we talk about wisdom. Wisdom is what? using that thing the right way. And then Paul, Paul adds on there prudence, which is using that knowledge in the right way at the right time. So it's not just enough to know stuff. We've got to be able to understand what we know. We have to be able to apply it in our everyday life the right way and we got to do it at the right time. You know, you think about you think about scripture. The majority of people out there, there's theologians who have, you know, tons of letters after their name that know a bunch of stuff, and everybody thinks that's the epitome. But there's no understanding or wisdom, or and do you know how you know? When you got somebody going back to Matthew and saying, here's our gospel. Are they they taking their knowledge and using it correctly at the right time? They're not. They're using the wrong gospel at the wrong time. They're not using that prudence. But they sound like they know what they're talking about, right? So the use of it is that thing that I want us to be able to think about. And the writer of Hebrews kind of brings that out for us to be able to see that. So again, it's not just knowing stuff. And you're going to know Romans chapter 6, hopefully, and then use Romans chapter 6. I'm crucified with Christ. I understand that. I know that His death is now my death. His burial is now my burial. His resurrection is now my resurrection. And His life, the most important thing in Romans 6, is His life is now my life. And I now have victory over sin by using it every single day to say, I'm not going to do this thing that put my Savior on the cross. And that's that issue. That's the use of it. It's not just knowing I'm crucified with Him, buried with Him, rose with Him. But how does that affect every aspect of life that we live every single day? How does that that change the way that we react? Then you get that. You understand that? Romans chapter 7. Milk would be what? Knowing that I'm free from the law. I don't have to keep the law anymore. But do I use that? (coughs) I'm free from the law, but I know I need to tithe every week. Do you use it? Are you using the knowledge that you have properly and at the right time? You finally get that. Romans 8 comes along and says, you're free from the flesh. You don't have to follow and do what your flesh wants. Your flesh says, I want to do this. And you say, flesh, we're not going to. And the flesh says, yeah, we will. (laughs) And then you get to the point by reason of use, you say, flesh, you're not going to do that. And the flesh says, I know we won't because you've done it every single time. You've gone by that book instead of doing what I wanted. That's the meat stuff. Using it to be able to discern, to make decisions and things like that. So, back over to 1 Timothy. So, thinking about those things and connecting it back to what Paul was talking about back in Acts chapter 20 about there will be people that come in, there will be people here. And he says, But here's the way you respond. Keep those in mind when we think about these things. <clears throat> And really, really what Paul is is trying to get Timothy to do is you need to move up. You need to move up, right? You know stuff. You know stuff, Timothy. You've been with me for years. You've worked with me. You've seen how all this stuff works. And what he's doing here is he's saying, here's how the church that's in Ephesus is to be ran, right? Notice... First Timothy chapter one, verse three. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Now I want you to think about that real quick. So he's saying, I want them to teach no other doctrine. Right? So then what's that mean? That means that they already should know the doctrine that they should be teaching. Does that make sense? They already know, Timothy, what they should be teaching. And I know they know. Why? Because I was the one that taught it to them. The one who had that revelation from Jesus Christ where he told me and I wrote down and I went and preached. I'm the one that told them so I know that they know. And they know this. And Timothy, what I ask you to do is to charge them. That's the charge that Paul gives to Timothy. (coughs) I would almost say that it would be a commandment. I want you to think about that real quick. Notice in verse 5. Now the end of the what? Commandment. Commandment. Does that say commandments? Plural? Plural? Is he talking about the Ten Commandments there? Nope. What commandment is he, telling, is he reminding of? The goal of you charging them to teach no other doctrine is what? Charity out of a pure heart. Now we talked a little bit about that charity last week and once we get here, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Charity out of a pure heart. Do you think a person on milk... Would have a pure heart, or somebody that's using it. You got a quizzical-looking face there. I mean, they sign heart? It is, yeah. but I want you to think about. I want you to think about it in the context mm-hmm. of what's going on. Once we get to that verse, we'll bring that. So don't forget that. But I want you to think of this. And of a good conscience. A good conscience would be this stuff put to use, right? Mm -hmm. Thinking the right way. And it's interesting, Paul brings up a lot of times the part of living for other people, of I esteem you better than me, is that I'm going to put you before myself. I'm going to live based on your conscience, not mine. That's this stuff, right? So then we see that stuff. When you, think about, when you think about in Romans 14 where Paul brings up the weaker brother, stronger brother issue, that's what he's talking about. If somebody wants to celebrate next Tuesday for being next Tuesday, that's fine. Praise the Lord. It's another day. If you want to worship that day, By all means, do that. If you want to make that day special, by all means, do that. But do I come up to the person and say, next Tuesday is the worst day that you can possibly do this on and you shouldn't do that because this, this, and this. Don't you know that you've been free from all this stuff? You don't have to go and do that stuff. You know what you've just done? We've created doubtful disputations, which is exactly the opposite of what Paul is saying. You know, when you think about that stuff, Living based on another person's conscience. by the way, you know what that means? You got to know each other. <laughs> you got to know each other and that again, what he's dealing with here is what he's dealing with local assembly. He's not talking about Paul or he, Paul's not saying Timothy, I want you to go and charge everybody on every social media thing that they shouldn't teach another doctrine. That's not your goal. It's here in the local assembly. That's what he's dealing with. He's dealing with people in the local assembly that's going to walk in the door or people that's been there since the time Paul started it. And he said, what, this is what's going to happen is there's going to be people that know a bunch of stuff, but they don't know how to use it properly. And what they're going to do is they're going to start teaching another doctrine and saying, you know what? I don't think you've had it right all along. And what they end up doing is interestingly enough is they go and start teaching the same stuff that was being taught in Galatia. And we'll see that as we go through. But keep those things in mind. He says, what? In verse, to finish this off, in verse 5 And of a good conscience and of a faith unfeigned, a, 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 a real faith, right? Do you actually believe what you know? Are you actually using what you believe? And are you using what you believe at the right time? Those kind of things. And it's not just a. <clears throat> We all know, I grew up some of the stuff you all know with Kenneth Copeland and all that, that's fake faith. That's that's a that's a feigned faith. Unfeigned faith is what? I know that I'm justified, and I know I have peace with God. And I know part of that in Romans chapter five is tribulation works patience. God's not God's not putting tribulation on me to test me out. But I know when I go through tribulation, what do I need to have? Patience. Patience, experience, and experience, hope. It's not, woe is me. Why why is God attacking me but letting somebody else go free? That's not what He's talking about there. He knows and understands that I know that I'm going to go through things. Have you ever thought about In 2 Corinthians 12 where Paul's talking about and he's praying for the thorn in the flesh to be removed and he does it three times and Christ says, My grace is sufficient for thee. Do we have there where Paul says, I don't understand what you mean. What do you mean that your grace is sufficient? No. What's he do? Based on that, right then, he changes and says what? I will gladly therefore glory in my infirmities. He completely changed. He knew it he understood it. He put it to use. I know that your grace is sufficient. I believe it's sufficient and now I want to put it to use and say I'm going to glory in my infirmities rather than asking you to take them away. And it's not, well, I don't know. I don't really understand what he's talking about. He did know. He understood what grace was. And he says, I know that I can apply that and I I, I." I access that by faith. He knew Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. He wrote them, right? But you think about those things. That's that's one of those things I want us to think about as we're going through here. Notice chapter 1, verse 3. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, that thou mightest charge them, or charge some, that they teach no other doctrine. Uh, let's take a look at a few things here, real quick. Go over to chapter 4. <clears throat> we'll just run through some verses here, real quick, and kind of see, see some stuff here. Romans cha- or 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians? My bad. 1 ah. Timothy? Oh. Do we get that one out? <laughs> just go through all of them. You'll get there eventually. I just wish you all would pay attention to them. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get there eventually. First Timothy chapter four. We good? good. Man, this guy could ever get his stuff straight, right? All right. First Timothy chapter four. Let's, let's notice here. Verse 6. Paul, Paul's talking about he's sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Verse 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, we'll talk about those things as we get there. Thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith. And of good doctrine, whereunto, notice, thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Doesn't that kind of remind you of what he's saying over in chapter 1? Dealing with the the genealogies and the fables and all those things. We'll talk about that when we get there. Verse 8. This, this verse is really interesting to me. Verse 8, For bodily exercise profiteth little. Now I want to pause there for a second. That doesn't mean... You've already read my mind, haven't you? That doesn't mean that you don't have to go and run a mile or go work on the treadmill or walk or ride a bike or lift weights. That's not what he's talking about. The whole issue that he's dealing with here within, with the Ephesians is what? People are teaching the law that you got to go do stuff. And what Paul is saying is if you go do stuff, it's not going to profit you. It's not going to do you any good. Bodily exercise, doing those things, does not give you something. But else, what, what, what is it? But godliness is profitable unto all things. Now that issue of godliness, what's Godliness. Well, we, we've always got this idea that it's God-likeness. Have you ever thought there's more to it than that? In fact, he just wrote about it in chapter 3. Notice in chapter 3, verse 16. And I, one of these days, I want to ask the Holy Spirit why he, why he had Paul write this. And without controversy, because this verse is scattered with controversy. But the Holy Spirit in His mind says, there is absolutely no reason anybody should not get this next part. He's been talking about the church the entire time. Notice, and without controversy, great is the mystery of what? Godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. He's talking about God choosing to manifest Himself through each and every person in the local assembly when we look at it that way it's not just god likeness but it's saying god i'm going to sacrifice my body romans chapter 12 as a living sacrifice to say i'm going to allow your word to live in and through me so much so that it's your life being put on display not mine that's galatians 2 20 right I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's godliness. That is God saying, I'm going to take my creation and I'm going to manifest my life through this book, through those people, and they're going to manifest me to a world. So, when you come down to verse 8 in chapter 4, he says, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. What's that mean? When we take this book and put it in here, not just up here knowledge, not just here, but we actually put it to use, what happens? That verse right up there. Do you know what happens? That verse isn't talking about preaching the mystery so people understand it. He's talking about the fact that there is a fellowship that Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit partake in to glorify one another and we get to be a part of it and what happens is when we live it, we are able to make all men see. They can see it when we live that the fellowship of the mystery. That's the issue. The mystery of what? What? Right here we got the mystery of godliness as part of it. When when we say it's not I but Christ, and I take this book and I put it here, and then I believe it, I put it here, and then when I actually start putting it to use, what happens is God's life is put on display. And He chooses to allow us to be a part of something that the Trinity has done since before the foundation of the world. To me, that's amazing that we get to be a part of that. And so then when He's talking about this godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. There's life there in this godliness. There's life there. It's His life. This book that we have is His life. So Christ, Christ talks about the words is, is what? They are spirit and they are life. And when we allow this book to come in here and change and then come out, what's it going to do? It's going to produce His life because that's what He's designed it to produce. That's that First Thessalonians 2.13. Letting the word of Christ to be able to actually produce that when we believe. And he's designed it to do that. Chapter 5. Chapter 5. Notice here, verse 7. We see these things over and over again. Chapter 5, verse 7. Notice, And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And he goes on down through there. One of the things we look at there is he, and these things give in charge, he's dealing with you know, he starts off in verse one about rebuking an elder and, and you know how the elder women are to work and how the widows are to work and things like that. And he gets down here to verse verse seven, he says, and these things give in charge that they may be what? Blameless. You know what he's saying? Put the life that we have. By the way, are we blameless? In Christ we are. He's saying go live that way. And where do you manifest that? Is in the local assembly. What's interesting is, is as we converse with each other, it's as if the Holy Spirit is conversing with Himself. It's amazing. Chapter 6. Notice here in chapter 6, verse 3. Chapter 6, verse 3. If any man teach otherwise, and of course there's some stuff here and we'll, we'll talk about this once we get here, but I want us to be able to see these things over and over again. Verse 3, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. Where do you find the doctrine of godliness? Romans 3, Philemon. That's where you're going to find it. And what's interesting, he says, if they teach otherwise, notice in verse 4, he is proud knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men, of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such withdraw thyself. But notice, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So what's he saying? There's people that's going to come in. There's people that's in your group. They're going to do these things right here. Notice he says, he is proud knowing nothing. Again, doesn't that remind you over in chapter 1 where he talks about where they're teaching the law and they have no idea what they're talking about. Alright, and again, we'll see these things as we go through. Drop down to, drop down to verse uh, 17. We see these, we see these issues of, of, of the charge and how this stuff goes together. Verse 17, charge them that are rich in the world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in what in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy that they do good that they be re- rich in good works ready to distribute uh, willing to communicate laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life now the issue there is does this person give up a bunch of money so that they can get eternal life no it's the fact that you can you do things right now and you can actually, you, you've got it. And you're living it. And you know you have it. And you're putting that on display each and every day. And that's one of those things that I want us to be able to think about as we're going through here. So, what's going on is go back to, go back to chapter one. <clears throat> so, I wanted us to see some of those charges and how those things kind of work together and how they, how they come together here. But notice. There are some folks here that are teaching the same things that we see over in Galatians and we'll see that in a moment. Notice here, we'll just look at some of these real quick. Drop down to verse, uh, verse, verse 6. From which some having swerved have turned aside into vain jangling. Vain jangling. This empty noise is really what it is. Doesn't that remind you about the Gifts that the Corinthians were using over there. A tinkling brass and jank. That's the that same idea. Notice seven. Desiring to be teachers of the law. <laughs> that's, the, that's where they find their hope. They desire to be teachers of the law. Here's, here's the same thing we saw a minute ago. Understanding neither what they say nor whereof yet they affirm. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully and we'll go through all that stuff as we get there. So when we think about these things, what's going on is they're doing the exact same thing um, that was going on over in Galatians. Or in Galatia, right? Um, go get Galatians chapter 1 real quick. And then also go get Acts chapter 15 because it's the same thing. And we talked about it before. You remember when we talked about with Eve... When Satan shows up to Eve, she leaves out the word freely, right? And then she says, neither shall you touch it. You remember we talked about that? She takes out the word freely and puts in, neither shall we touch it. And we talked about the fact that what she does is she takes out grace and replaces it with law. And what happens here in Ephesus where, where Timothy's the pastor, what is happening there in Ephesus is the same thing that happens in Galatia is they take out grace and they replace it with law. This goes all the way back to the garden. It's been there since day one. Are we shocked when it happens today? We shouldn't be, because that's what the majority of churches. What have they done? Is they've taken out grace and they've replaced it with law. Now some may some may say you're saved by grace, praise the Lord. But you got to work to keep it, work to prove that you have it. And some will even say, no, you can't get saved by grace. You have to work to get it, and then you got to work to keep it, work to prove, and work to show. But that's what they're doing, and it goes all the way back back to Eve. Notice here, Acts chapter fifteen, <clears throat> and we'll have to end up here probably, verse two. Well, verse one, and certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren, and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. So this is a person that's coming down from Judea, goes into Galatia and says, if you don't follow the law after the law of Moses, you can't be saved. Grace, no. Law. Freely, no. Law. That's what they're doing. They're taking grace out, which by the way, has God already put grace in Galatia? He did through Paul. And so what somebody comes along and says, That's not right. You need to go to this. Notice, Wherefore, Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them. (laughs) I just kind of love that. (laughs) Instead of saying it was a big ruckus, it was no small dissension and disputation. Notice, They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. Now, the majority of people that teach Acts chapter 15 say that what Paul and Barnabas do is they need to go up to Jerusalem to find out if they're teaching the right gospel or not and make sure that they learn from Peter and John and all those to make sure that we switch our gospel so we can actually go out and preach the right thing. That is not what took place. And how we know is because Paul wrote Galatians. And he went up and withstood Peter to the face and did what? And the interesting thing is he didn't go and do it in front of everybody. He pulled them off to the side and said, here's what's going on. And Peter already knows something's changing. <coughs> and what he's doing is saying, notice this. Notice in Galatians chapter 1. He's saying, Peter, something's different. What I have is a completely different gospel than yours. I'm not here to make sure that mine matches yours. I'm here to make sure that you know that mine's different. Why else would there be a dissension and disputation between those two men? It's not like, well, my interpretation of what Christ said is that we're saved by grace and we live by grace. You don't have to do the law. No, it's this is exactly what Christ said. And I know that Christ told you the same thing, but here's what you need to know. And if I would, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't be shocked if he drew up the chart and said, here you go. (laughs) You used to be Gentiles and Gentiles and Jews were different here. And then all of a sudden these things are going off and Jesus Christ goes and says, I am not sent, but the lost sheep of the house of Israel and says, but in Acts chapter seven, you all fail. And he started to diminish and I got saved in Acts chapter nine. Of course, he's not got it written out yet, and you don't see that. But he knows the aspect of what's going on, and you know that something changed because of what Christ told you, and it's recorded in Acts chapter ten. You know, he knows all that stuff. He understands that Peter didn't. But here's what's interesting: Galatians chapter one, verse six. I marvel that you are so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. This next part's always in giving me some pause on things. Notice he says, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have preached, we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Paul says, though we were an angel from heaven, even if I start preaching another gospel, he knows. It's easy for us to. I mean, Paul says there, I marvel you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another but there be some that trouble you and would pervert. What's it mean to pervert? You, you're distorting. You're changing it by adding something to it. What do they add to it? The law. And what do we see over here in Galatia is the same thing we see over in Ephesus. And that's the exact same thing that Paul is talking to Timothy about to charge them to teach no other doctrine other than what you've learned don't allow somebody to come in or somebody within the assembly to teach a different doctrine than what you know is right. But how do you go about it? It's grace, mercy, and peace. Keep those things in mind. We'll see that hopefully as we go through. Now, we go back to 1 Timothy and we'll stop here. I want us to keep this in our mind. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. That issue there that he says that thou mightest charge some. What that tells me is there's some that are there that are teaching other doctrine already. And the way they do it, we'll see verse 4 does the exact same stuff. And we kind of see how they go about teaching that other doctrine through those fables and endless genealogies, and that that just that just creates questions. And we saw some of that stuff earlier. All right, so we'll go through we'll go through those things and kind of bring some of that stuff together. But hey, we got through an entire verse today, so praise the Lord. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, questions, comments concerns no no all right well if it's, if it's clear enough for tyler then it's clear enough for everybody right yeah um glad to have you back i'm glad you're out of the hospital now so praise the lord um all right so again thank you all for being here this morning folks online We thank you as well uh bruce are you wanting to do that Your ending off song so bruce has been wanting to do this so we'll do this um i think everybody sorry folks you can't hear me online. You're better off, Tristan. <laughs> what is it? What is it? Thirty-nine? Is that it? I'm just going to get up and start playing, whatever. Yeah. Uh, number thirty-nine. It's only one verse, it's easy and it should be easy enough. Well, we should be able to memorize this one. It's so verse thirty-nine. <laughs> Christ is all that He claimed to be. I'm so glad that He lives in me. My hope of glory, yes it is. For He is mine and I am His. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Y'all have a good week. Look too. Good to see you.